0: Never stop questioning uh, the way that things work in the world. Uh, you You will have tons of people in your life saying, stop questioning how things are done. Stop asking these questions. It is what it is. Accept things for the way that they are and quit being a disruption. But I would like to tell you that I fully support disruption as long as it's done in a constructive way. I think that the second you stop challenging your... Your, your beliefs, the second that you, you stop challenging the beliefs of the world, that is when all progress ends. So never stop learning and never stop asking yourself, can this be done in a better way?
1: Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Ropalianik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back to the podcast, listeners. As always, your host, Steve O'Polinik, and I have a great episode for you today for episode 76. Our guest today is Emmanuel Lai, and he is a co-founder of a company called Heaven's Pantry, which makes some really nutritious snack bars that they call Excalibar. Now you know I'm a huge fan of puns. I think I've said it a million times on this podcast. So Excalibar is such a great pun that, you know, when I found out about it, I had to reach out and get them on the podcast. And also I'm a huge fan of food as medicine and understanding that the bar only has ingredients that you know and can pronounce and enjoy was also an added bonus. the fact that they're also vegan and look into different options for people on the go for a nice boost of energy, and for your brain was was a plus as as well. Now Manny and I get into a lot of things, not just, you know, his company in the bar, but also many things about nutrition, the mind, connection, and really being able to learn from others. We have a great episode for you today. So I'm really excited for you to check it out. I know I say it all the time, but that's because the people I have on the podcast are just awesome. So I'm really excited for you to check it out. And without further ado, here's Manny. In
0: a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, as always, Steve Opolnick. so happy to be here, and today our guest is Manny from Heaven's Pantry, which we'll get into a little bit later, but uh, just super stoked to have you here, man. I always find it weird, because once I start the introduction to the podcast, I always feel like I put an announcer voice on, which I never talk like that in real life, so I guess it's just uh, trying to intrigue people You
0: probably talk like that because you know you're you're in a different state of mind and when you're in a different state of mind uh you know you subconsciously do that to fit the the yeah you shift tone and
1: vocal expression to kind of do that because you're right i never really thought of it that way but or maybe it's your passion
0: coming out maybe you're just really passionate about it and uh it's definitely showing to the rest of the audience
1: (laughs) well i like that that's this is a good way to start the podcast with intense passion and and announcer voices So, Manny, uh, so glad to be here and and talk to you today. I know that we connected on Instagram and I reached out because of the the passion work that you're doing with Heaven's Pantry. But I'm wondering if you could tell my listeners a little bit about you and your journey to get to where you're at and how you got to that passion project.
0: Absolutely. So uh, just like you, I am a geek as well. Uh, (laughs) Nice. I definitely consider myself a professional geek, you know, uh, when I when I was when I was younger, uh, you know, being a nerd, being a geek was not considered socially cool, but I never really but but ever never really been one to care about what society thinks, so right. uh, that's not that's really not
1: not how I roll. It's not how I operate as, as a human being. And uh, I think it's funny. On- I feel like society is catching up with like Stranger Things and the Marvel movies. Yeah, and all the fantasy stuff coming out. Like, I was I well, was here thirty years ago, man. <laughs> what's really funny is
0: that later on in life, I realized that being a you know you know being a professional geek was actually a very you know a, a very a, a very good field to get into. Uh, <laughs> a, a very good field to get into, which I'll definitely expand on later. So um, I started. I started Heaven's Pantry uh, with two other friends of mine, uh, and I was approached by by my friend Rob, who is a phenomenal cook. His, you know, everyone always says they have a killer recipe. This guy has ten killer recipes. Every <laughs> everyone always brags about that, uh, you know, that dish that they're really good at making. Every time I visit my friend Rob, uh, he always whips out something really, really cool, and and his secrets. Well, I'll go. I'll, I'll actually go upon his uh, secrets later, but uh, okay. one, one one thing one thing I noticed about the way that he cooks was that he focuses on using a few ingredients, a few really good high quality ingredients, uh, instead of throwing a bunch of stuff together. He uses a, a few high quality ingredients that really get the job done, and uh, that's really how we decided to approach uh, our startup together, Heaven's Pantry. So early on in my career, I was working for a top four consulting firm. Um, and every kid's dream in college was to work for one of those firms. And, uh, you know, I, I was utterly stoked when I got that offer, uh, going, going out of college. It was a, it was probably one of the most joyous moments, uh, of, of, of the whole life of college me. But, uh, you know, once, once the job actually started, uh, the hours were pretty heavy. The hours were absolutely tr- tremendously heavy. Uh, during the peak seasons, I'll be working uh, probably 70 hours per week, uh, more or less, sometimes more, sometimes less. But so so here, so here, here's the kicker. They get you with an awesome perk. They get you a free coffee. That's how I became a coffee connoisseur. Uh, you know, uh, I... To, to this day I'm still a huge fan of coffee uh, they also they also comped you a free dinner when you worked over a, I think it was 11 hours in a day you work over 11 hours you you get a, you get a free dinner at any place of your choosing so as you can tell this is definitely not very good for not very good for health not yeah. very good for well not very good for well-being yeah. uh, it, it, actually not very good is a little bit of an understatement I think it was <laughs> pretty pretty atrocious for your well-being yeah. and uh and, and and here and here's the thing, during the mornings, when I did my coffee run for the team, I would have my nitro cold brew, that would last me till around the afternoon uh, or or maybe like two o'clock, three o'clock, something like that. And then I would crash, and then uh, to power through the rest of my day, I would have to have a second nitro cold brew. Oh,
1: two uh, man, my nitro cold, cold brews are no joke too. You know.
0: Yeah, like uh, you know, that's the only thing that Starbucks doesn't sell in a venti. Uh, <laughs> for well, good probably, reason. probably for good reason, because uh, for probably for good reason, because too many of those, and you'll probably go into cardiac arrest. But uh, but but I, I was just crashing, you know, mid, mid, midway through the day after my second cup of coffee, and then I was I probably got home at eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, and I was just wondering, like why the heck can I go to sleep? And then before I, before I know it, uh, the grind begins all over again. So, the, so we invented a solution to this. It was called the Chocolate Excalibur. The Chocolate Excalibur is a fruit and nut bar that only has six natural ingredients. These ingredients are cashews, almonds, cocoa powder, dates, coconut oil, and then sea salt. Uh, each one of these ingredients was put there for a purpose and I'll go on I'll go and explain this later on but essentially by creating this bar with my friend Rob I was able to sustain myself through those long days and not face the dreaded midday slump that's why I think the Excalibur is the perfect energy bar for professionals with a busy schedule with limited time and fortunately I don't work uh, 70 hours a week uh, during my during my uh my day job anymore. I don't like saying the word day job because I really enjoy what I do. I you know right. I I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of the work that I do. Uh, it really you know every day when I get out of the, get out of the bed, I'm very excited to work on new challenges and help people solve their organizational issues. Uh, but you know that that being said, those seventy hours a week early on in my career took a huge toll on me, and I thank the stars for Excalibur for getting me through.
1: Yeah. It makes sense. It's, it's actually really funny. I'm, I drink, uh, I just gave up coffee a couple, not coffee. I gave up caffeine a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I still have like decaf coffee, which I know there's trace amounts of caffeine, in, but, uh, the taste is still there, but I don't have that and flow of like what, what you're talking about too throughout the day. I, I usually take B vitamins in the morning and some at night just to kind of regulate the energy. But I think you're right. I think, so, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I'm I'm a counselor, a mental health counselor. And one of the things I found is nervous system regulation, right, is really important throughout the day because we constantly cycle between rest and relaxation and like this intense go, go, go. And I think usually that midday peak that you're talking about, people will turn to, you know, sugar or caffeine to get through it, but it's really about Regulating your blood sugar and your nervous system regulation to kind of manage an appropriate circadian rhythm to kind of come back into it. So Absolutely. really sciencey, but you know, just basic stuff that science, we can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basic stuff that we can do to kind of regulate instead of going to like the the easy thing, which is like, oh, let me pound another coffee. Uh, so I'm drinking a decaf now as we're talking. So.
0: So by the way, I just want to say I really appreciate your service to society, and I really mean. Oh, thank you. I- I, I, re- I really mean it. I think mental health is a uh, legitimate issue uh, that is brushed under the rug by a lot of by, by, by a lot of people. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I really, I really think it's disappointing how it's, uh, there's not more funding allocated towards this issue.
1: Thank you. It means a lot. And that's kind of our, our passion project here at the Promethean project is to try to get things out to people in a different way, community based. So, and- and I, and, I,
0: and I really and I really think that in our modern society one of the biggest issues is that even though we are more interconnected than ever uh, with the advent of social media the internet and uh, and also people just expecting people to respond really quick right away uh, yeah. because of that desire of instant gratification even though we are more interconnected than ever on a you know uh, if you're if you're analyzing uh, the, the amount of digital interactions we have, I really think our sense of community has eroded. Uh, I think there's a significant uh, loss of trust in uh, public institutions. There's a significant loss of trust uh, in society and uh, your your fellow man and your fellow human being. And uh, you know, I I I really appreciate what people like you do with this podcast and your and your profession to help repair uh, the broken bridges of society.
1: Thank you. <laughs> this, I think it's true right like we've moved away from this community environment to oh we all live in our own houses or we're all kind of separate from that and then everything that you're mentioning too of the of like institutional kind of distrust and, and worry and lack of support I think is there and so there are pockets of places where they're really generating this more and kind of turning back to community and I think you're seeing it in many different nations and you know countries and things of that nature some never left right different cultures have a sense of community that kind of has spanned generations but you're right I think all of this is a societal kind of uh issue and we have to turn to society to regulate and shift it back um but going back to coffee (laughs)
0: let's go back to coffee (laughs) we
1: we, we'll explore I I have a feeling we're going to go in and out of a lot of different things so um buckle up everyone I didn't start drinking coffee. Seatbelts on? Seatbelts on. Uh, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was counseling. I never really touched it before. And then the long hours of counseling spanning, you know, I could start at nine in the morning and be done at seven at night and really just see, depending on who shows up, see a ton of people or see like five people because people know showed the appointments. And I found myself turning to coffee in a way I had never done before, just emotionally to regulate and have that energy to go into it. So I do think everything you're saying is this idea of what we put inside ourselves and what we consume really has an impact on how we live through life and go day to day.
0: A hundred percent. And that's something that actually that was drilled into me at, at a young age. And, uh, you know, I I'm really I'm really proud to be able to pass that, uh, you know, pass that less lesson and, the, and that passion for you know good eating that my parents instilled upon me uh, you know to future generations through heaven's pantry i really am uh so awesome. when i when i was younger um you know academics was as with as with many asian families academics was very was very highly stressed uh yeah. you know academics is very highly stressed you know I, I wasn't i wasn't to go outside i wasn't to play computer games until i got my uh until I got my homework done for the day, and until I got all my studies done, and really, really, that way of working has got me throughout life. Um, and I, even though I didn't like it at the time, uh, at certain points, I really, I really have a lot of respect uh, for my parents for you know instilling those values in me. And uh, and here's the really interesting thing: it, it's not that I wasn't allowed to play outside. It wasn't that I wasn't allowed to play computer games. In fact, they always encouraged me. Hey. You could do whatever the heck you want, but you gotta get what you're supposed to get done first. And you know uh, that's that 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 really stuck with me uh, throughout the throughout the test of time. But one thing that I one thing that I would do, uh, you know, uh, growing up, well, one thing that my father would do is that he would give me a before I started my homework, he would give me a bowl of a uh, nuts and fruit, and then uh you know I asked him. You know, I think I was like around like seven or 10 or something. I was like, wait, uh, what's the whole, like, I noticed you were doing this every day. Like what's the whole, what's the whole point of this? Yeah. And like, uh, like obviously, uh, obviously a, a little immature young version of me would have, would have been like, wait, why can't I have a bag of chips? Like, why wouldn't you sure. let me like have like junk food or like a, like a cheeseburger or something. And then, and then like the way that he explained it was that, uh, the, the fruits provided short-term energy uh you know uh, boosted your blood sugar a little bit because your ultimate ultimately that's the stuff that your brain needs to function your brain right. do, your brain does need a uh, your, your brain does need a little bit of a boost of short-term energy and sugars uh you know in in reasonable limited quantities isn't the end of the world and there's in the in the world of a uh, dieting today i and i'm not a I'm not a fan of all those cult diets those extreme diets that really yeah. deviate from what humans uh, are naturally meant to eat because uh if you look at prehistoric humans we were hunter foragers we were omnivorous we uh, ate a wide variety of foods we ate both carbohydrates uh you know sugars proteins fats like that was all in the diet in some shape or form so you know i I think fruits and nuts, first of all, uh, that's something that humans have been eating since uh, the beginning of beginning right. of time. So so that 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 kind of food gets processed really well into energy. So the fruits, they provide the short-term energy, and then the, the nuts provided the more long-term energy. And I, I really I I really I really believe I really believe that uh, there was really a noticeable difference in my performance when I was studying uh, and when I was doing my homework it was such a big game changer that uh in high school I started a tutoring business I ran it out of my parents basements and you know for for the first time ever for for the first time for the first time ever uh I found myself in the position of the teacher instead of the student and then what you know and the same way that you know when I was a young kid my father would give me fruits and nuts nuts growing up um before i before i did my homework and before i studied i would i would make the same fruit and nut bowls for my students
1: i was just going to ask you that that's that's amazing
0: yeah one of my one of my students actually was able to bump his sat score by i think almost 300 points after uh, you know after spending a good amount of time with me and uh, you know that that that, even even today that's actually still one of the highlights of my career and to this day, one of my favorite things is just training people, teaching people, and, sh- and you know, uh, imparting whatever knowledge that I picked up on other people. And I, I, one of my favorite things to receive uh, in, my, in my career and professional life is being able to sit down with someone who's better than me at a particular activity or a piece of technology, and then just learn from them. I think it's important right. to be a teacher uh, when it's the time to be a teacher. But I think it's also equally important to be a learner as well. And I'm sure that as a as a psychologist and as the counselor, you're always in the position where you're learning something new and reading up on the yeah. new principles of how the human mind works.
1: But in, in learning from my clients, I have a notepad. I always keep a notepad by me. It's in my bag right now. Otherwise, I'd show you a little, little notepad where I write ideas down. But also, if I'm talking to someone and they have this really poignant phrase or this you know, way of looking at something, I'll write it down just to obviously with confidentiality, but just just to kind of say, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. I want to reflect on that. And that's what I love about what I do. It's really easy to go and thinking, oh, I have this degree. And so I'm going to be the expert. But I, I learned very early on that's not the case. My job is to hold space and sit with people. And I can't do that up here. If listeners can't see my hands up in the air. I have to be at the same level with people. And that means whatever we work on, I'm learning and they're learning together. So it's, it's almost like it's, you know, this ability, ability to sit together and help each other grow. Uh, so I have this real benefit of being able to see people grow, but also grow with them in, in that human connection. Almost like it's in a less sadistic way like venom <laughs> and eddie right like we're working yep. together it's a symbiosis not not you know um hopefully for more productive purposes yes well yeah depending on which version of venom we're talking about right but um yeah that, that could go the wrong way if someone oh therapy is like venom um, but you're right i do think that and i think you know it's awesome what your parents did sitting down and kind of creating this snack for you because I, everything your dad is right like the sugar consumption the fiber that comes with fruit makes it more digestible to your system to use that energy as opposed to just straight sugar which isn't paired with the fiber for your digestive system you know the nuts are good with fat and protein which regulate your energy and your blood sugar so it's a good Absolutely. combination
0: so this recipe uh, i actually created with my friend rob uh, and we drew many sources of inspiration for this. Uh, this, res- this recipe uh, is actually modeled to taste a lot like a brownie. So. So what's up? I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm all for brownies.
0: Well, uh, after this podcast, you're getting a free box shipped to your shipped to your uh, place. Awesome! I'm in,
1: I'm gonna hike Mount Washington in in a couple of days, so you know, like I'll, I'll bring <laughs> some along because I think that's the perfect energy regulation, dude to hike up a mountain
0: like that. That's, fant- that's fantastic. But uh, so we used to cut these up in our, Rob's kitchen and uh, we, we were looking for something that tasted like a brownie, mm-hmm. but also was wholesome and made out of a few simple ingredients. So the the, the, the nut aspect, the cashews, the almonds, that allowed, that allowed me to recreate the nuts in the, in the, in the fruit and nut bowl. Yeah. And then the, and then the dates, right? So the dates actually added a source of sugar, and the consistency um, in the bar. So when people hear, "Oh, it's a uh, cashews, almonds, and dates," they're thinking to themselves, "They're like, wait, there's no way this tastes like a brownie. It probably right. tastes like a, like, not that it tastes bad, but like right. uh, it would taste like a, I don't know, like fruit. But because we added in the cocoa powder." Uh, plus the dates we were able to recreate that perfect consistency where uh the bar actually where where the bar actually does indeed mimic the taste of a brownie so it definitely took a lot of creativity to achieve that perfect recipe and i can tell you i stand by each one of the ingredients there's no single ingredient that was there just for the sake of being there so obviously the obviously the nuts uh Nuts are the ultimate brain food, long-term energy. The dates—that's the—that's the, that's the uh, short-term energy. Now the cocoa. Now the cocoa powder. Cocoa powder has actually been linked to uh, to better cardiovascular health. And right. I view the bu- human body as one giant meshwork of interconnected systems. And when you have one part of the system that is um, failing, uh, it, it essentially acts as a bottleneck towards performance and heart heart disease is such a huge 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 issue in American society and once again I'll I'll give you my legal disclaimer uh, that we have to do uh, by <laughs> yes. law uh, what what did this disclaimer go again and I think it was oh this this product is not um uh, endorsed by the FDA to treat diagnose or or prevent any disease um None of these claims have been substantiated by the FDA. Uh, there we go. I'm I'm legally covered now. <laughs> I'm legally covered now. So, hey nice. guys, uh, please don't try to sue Heaven's Pantry. We're just three guys that uh, trying to do our thing and <laughs> provide better better food for the world. But uh, yeah, that's fair. But, but anyways, you, you can look up the studies for yourself. You can look up the studies for yourself. Uh, I said what I had to do. I said what I had to s- say from a legal standpoint. Uh, but if you look at the medical literature, there has been significant uh, correlations between cocoa consumption and better cardiovascular health. And what is the brain at the end of the day? The brain the is, the uh, yeah, a, a brain is like a muscle. And what supplies muscles? The cardiovascular system. And that is why we decided to put cocoa powder in. The cocoa powder causes your, your your cardiovascular system circulatory system to work a little bit better pumping in more, more nutrients into your brain helping you to perform better at cognitive tasks and then the and, the, and then the uh, the other ingredients uh, coconut oil that also that also has healthy fatty acids that were also that were linked to positive well-being benefits as well so we wanted something that can add a little bit more moisture to the bar. Right. Uh, and we decided not to use uh, hydrogenated oils because a lot of studies have shown those to be you know, bad for your body. And You can say, you, you
1: can just call them shitty. <laughs> yeah, they're,
0: they're, they're, they're shitty, you know. They're, 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 they're shitty because most people in the food industry are just trying to cut corners at the end of the day. You know, right. you know, they're, they're, they're trying to cut corners. I'm not trying to cut corners. And then the last ingredient sea salt Uh, so sea salt was actually one of the most valuable substances known to human to humankind maybe three thousand years ago obviously it's not today because the average american uh, has way too much sodium in their diets but back in the day salt was one of the most valuable substances and it was known for its ability to preserve food whether it's meats whether it's vegetables and We decided instead of adding artificial preservatives to enhance the shelf life, why don't we just do what the what the ancient human beings used to do, add sea salt, add uh, for for better shelf life. And there we have it. We have our six natural ingredients, each one serving its own unique purpose.
1: Awesome. I have so much to talk about. So let let me go through my talking points with this. Absolutely. I I love everything you're saying. Let's start with salt, right? I agree yeah. with you, right? Um, the average person has way too much sodium. It doesn't come from the sea salt. It comes from processed foods and the sodium and the rest preservatives. And, you mm-hmm. know, just look at soy sauce, which is fantastic, but there's 900 milligrams of sodium in, in a serving of soy sauce. And I think it's safe to say we consume more than just a serving of soy sauce when we use it. Oh, yeah. I got into this debate with my dad one time because he was talking about, eating less sodium, and he's like, oh, you put a lot of salt on your food, and I say, I put a lot of sea salt on my food, because we cook from scratch, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, as best we can, obviously, because we have food allergies in my family, so we make a lot of our own food, and well, he's like, that's a lot, I was like, well, <laughs> compare that to what you're eating right now, it's like a fourth yep. of what you're eating, so I agree Absolutely. with you on that, and I think it's really tasty, and, and, you know, you can, when you start playing around with different types of sea salt, uh, you can actually taste the difference in taste, um, rather than just plain old table salt, which most people would say, yeah, it's got this one thing, but there's a lot of nuances to that. So it's a fun mindfulness practice too, to try different flavors and different types of sea salt. So I love that that's there. And you're also like the bar is also challenging, like three, not challenging, but engaging three different tastes that we have in our system. You got, you know, the sweet, you got the salty, you got the umami all kind of in there, which is really great because we have these, uh, taste buds. So we consume the right amount of nutrients. It shouldn't just be one or two or just one that we're heavy in, which as Americans, we're usually salty and sweet all the time, you know, looking at our daily consumption. So I love that there's that branching out in that, that part too. Um, you know, the, the other ingredients, dates, if you've never eaten a date before, it's amazing. <laughs> so it brings that natural yeah. sweetness. It, it, it is high in sugar, but consumable sugar. You can use that sugar as compared to, you know, an Oreo cookie, right? Um, but it just makes everything delicious. It gets that brownie batter consistency and, you know, that, that taste too. I used to take, my wife used to make me treats for work and it'd be walnuts, um, almond butter, stuffed inside of a date with um, some unsweetened chocolate on top of it that was like a powerhouse for me in the afternoon I loved that so so all this stuff you're talking about has this connection huge fan of I, I have this theory I, I kind of created that's like the six minds of mental health and exactly what you're talking about and so the minds are just how we make sense of the world and so mental health is this you know the science the health of a of the mind right so when you look at that it's you get rid of the brain body connection and just look at the body as a whole because it's all system generated, like you're talking about. And so, my six minds that I use when I counsel are cultural mind, uh, heart mind, you know, brain mind, uh, nervous system, digestive system, and then fascia. Right? Those are the the six that I try to look at whole body health with people. And when you everything you just said makes sense, right? When we eat something as amino acids. Amino acids make up neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters affect mood and thought and regulation of the whole system. Heart has neurons on it, communicates with the brain and the rest of your body. You know, it's really integral to the middle ear too. The middle ear and the heart connect. So what we hear goes to the heart, goes to the brain, how we see people's faces. So it's all interconnected. So I love that that's kind of the mission of just not oh I'm going to prioritize this and this is the health I'm going to do instead of you know okay you're 100% here if you're looking at it like you're a mech suit right oh, okay like the brain is 100% on but the rest of the body's failing all the shields are down and you're just getting pelted with all this other <laughs> stuff that's happening and yeah that's, um, not good, uh, that's not a good place to be in. <laughs> no no and you know the unsweetened cocoa is really important because it's high in magnesium like you're talking about right and magnesium helps the muscles relax it helps nourish the muscles like you're talking about with the brain so i I love everything that you just unpacked in the last 10 minutes because it still correlates with our co-aligns not core and if i ramble a a little bit
0: it's because i'm really (laughs) passionate about what i do yeah yeah
1: I just went into Coraline because I mispronounced Coaline. So it's okay. I think at this point, people are buckled up. They're just gonna follow us wherever we go with it. Um, but I love everything that you just said because it connects to what we try to do here and think differently on on, on health. Um, I think that's everything. Oh, the last thing that I love that you did brownie-centered flavors with, with Excalibur, which is a whole other thing. We'll get to the name of the bar in a minute. Um, I really love that you you kind of went with that flavor because again, most people have cravings for that kind of chocolatey treat and you're doing it in a healthy way. But I also think it's because most people are deficient or depleted in magnesium. And so cravings that we get are often our, our, our body's intuition telling us we need something more. We need this thing. And cravings body cravings and their base sense will tell us what we should consume right um there's a whole other aspect of mental health cravings with mood and things of that nature but again it's like oh why would i select this thing when i could have something nutritionally dense tastes like a brownie and helps me kind of go throughout the rest of my day so i love the mission i love everything you impact in that that period of time
0: absolutely honored that uh, my mission is resonating with people
1: yeah i could i could talk about this for hours and hours so and i do sometimes so this might be uh repeating for the the listeners of the podcast but i always think it's such an integral part is that you know what we consume is such a big part of how we move and how we go through our day-to-day interaction so i'm glad that there's companies like yours out there doing that work Thank you.
0: I really think that like it's the little choices that we make uh, in our everyday lives that allow us to reach our destinations and allow us to reach, uh, you know, uh, the goals that we set for ourselves. And one thing I really dislike about modern, uh, you know, about about modern culture is that a lot of times we we look at people who have achieved uh, things that we all aspire to. And then they, they dissect their lives and they look for that one critical turning point uh you know um that allowed them to get to where they are and uh, i think that's really not how improvement that's not how uh, that, that that's really not how self-actualization works because right. there is no turning point you have turning points every single day the decisions that you make today will affect how your life turns out tomorrow the decisions that you make tomorrow will affect how your life uh, turns out next week. The decisions that you make this month will affect how you perform next quarter, which then affects how you perform next
1: year. Right. Yeah, it's, it's much more of a process than people kind of consider it to be. I think, there's, here's the one pivotal moment. And it's a societal thing, right? Look at all the most enticing movies that we connect to uh, or you know, these movies based on a true story. There's always this pivotal scene that directs the rest of the movie. And then, you know, if you're a child of the 80s, like I am, those montages of Rocky working out to to beat the Russian in the snow and running with a log on his back, those are all so ingrained and it, you start to think of it because you're consuming all these messages, whether you know it or not. You say, like, oh, what, what's my pivotal moment? What's going to be that thing? When in reality, it's a minute to minute, second to second decision-based generative thing that we work on to kind of get to where we want to be.
0: Literally, something as simple as you choosing what you want to have for dinner, okay, uh, or something as simple as like maybe someone you know treating you well, uh, you know, being very courteous, being very polite, uh, you know, that something something like that uh, will impact your feeling of well-being. So, like for. For example, if someone, uh, you know, uh, said something really racist to you, like across the street, that probably puts you in a, in a dampened mood. Uh, if you ate something that wasn't very, you know, nutritious uh, the other day, that probably puts you in a dampened mood as well. And that loss of optimism will really impact your day to day living. And, right. and I, I'm a firm believer that uh, optimism is one of the most valuable things that you can ever have for your mental health. Like I'm of the belief that you know, um, even though t- today isn't always better than yesterday, I truly believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Like, uh, or at least I'm going to be working towards making uh, tomorrow better, better than today. And I, and I, and I, and I truly, I truly believe that when you have. Um, the locus of control on your on yourself right uh, mm-hmm. yes you can't you can't control what you can't control what this world's going to throw at you but what you can't control is how you adapt to life's changes and challenges like for example i'll be completely honest the economic downturn uh, is definitely scaring the hell out of me as a entrepreneur and a businessman but i can but i can tell you i can tell you one thing uh, i think there's stuff that uh, you can control, and there's stuff that you can't control. And I worry about what I can't control instead of what I can't control. And I think in a, if there was an eco, economic downturn, there's still ways to market the spar in a way that can uh, help help the company succeed. For, for example, when there's an when, when economic downturn, uh, people want to perform better at their careers. People wanna perform better at their jobs. This bar over here is literally how you can, uh, you know, perform better at your job.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, so I think you hit on a a couple really important parts. I think true optimism is not just positive thinking all the time. It's this Mm -hmm. ability to be generative, what you're talking about, and go into, like, where's my locus of control in this situation? How can I make a generative decision, even if that decision's shit, Right. Because that, I, I think that's the misnomer a lot with optimism is people say, fake it till you make it, or there's toxic positivity. That, that's a big thing that's out there. Just like, oh, believe it and it will happen. There is power in thought, but I, I think it's also about exactly what you're talking about, locus of control and saying, how do I move myself forward even if both options are shitty? Right? How do I kind of keep moving instead of holding myself back and just throwing my hands up? And I think once you can start thinking that way, that's what true optimism is. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's yes, yeah, sometimes I got to take the L on this one, but it leaves the door open still. So let me keep moving, moving forward that way.
0: And I also, th- and I also think as we get older as human beings, right? When when we're young, uh, life is full of infinite dreams and possibilities. As you, as we age, as we get older. Some of these possibilities close off, but as these pos- as these possibilities close off, it allows you to further define who you are as a human being. Pick a specific trade, pick a specific series of skills, and just really hone in on those. Uh, you know, like everyone when they're when they're younger, they dream about being astronauts, they dream about being rock stars. Uh, you know, uh, but Unfortunately, uh, you know um, the the societal taste of music evolves over time. So I can tell you one thing: the kid from the '80s, you know, noodling on the guitar, listening to Billy Idol, dreaming about being a rock star, you know, he can literally put in so much time, and then like a decade later, two decades later, he'll realize, hey like that kind of music isn't even like selling well anymore, which is a shame because I do think that music from the eighties is better than the music today, but that's a, but that's, that's, a, a, whole other podcast. that's a That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> <Yeah. But
1: laughs> no, but. It, you're, you're right though. But the cool thing about that too, it's also cyclical. I mean, just look at Kate Bush in Metallica yep. showing up in stranger things and how now that music has skyrocketed and it's all over TikTok and, you know, thanks to, cultural influences but well i think with
0: I, I think with the advent of TikTok, okay there's a lot of negative there's a lot of positive things about uh, social media and i'm i'm never the kind of guy who likes to look at the world in black and white i really think that black and white thinking yeah. is a uh, like i i have seen you know good friends of mine fall down to the path of extremism with black and white thinking and it really it, it really pains me like watching people you know who you know are good friends of mine become extremely politically radicalized uh, uh, due due to various, you know, uh, fringe uh, social media movements. But one thing I really like about platforms such as TikTok is that it's allowed for the democratization of ideas. And it's up to us as a society, um, well, not really as a society, but as as individual humans to filter out which one of these ideas are conducive towards progress and which ones are not.
1: I can't tell you, man, like how many times I've had a client say, oh, you should really pay some of what insurance pays you to TikTok because I, I learned so many mental health aspects. Yeah, You know, that's, that's awesome for me because, you know, one, I don't have to do that. <laughs> so so I, I feel comfortable in that notion. But like two... That's the work, right? If if I get too stuck on, oh, I need to be that one to sit with, I'm aiming on the the wrong thing. We want to incorporate as much support and as much guidance as we can. And so having some of these TikToks, like anti-racist TikTok or mental health TikTok or, you know, these these, uh, concepts, I think is really awesome because you can consume information in a wide variety as opposed to just limited to who your neighbors are and how you learn that. That's pretty great, too.
0: Oh, absolutely. As a, as a professional, do you ever have any clients who are uh, either entrepreneurs uh, or, uh, you know, in, or or in the corporate world?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot and I think a lot who are on that fringe of not knowing where to go. And I try to help them incorporate like a mindset like an entrepreneur because I think they have great ideas doesn't fit into the system on which they're working right now. And I'd like to, especially kids going off to college, I like to remind them say, hey, you're going for this, but that doesn't have to be what you do. If you have great ideas, if you have passions and there's nothing out there for you right now, you can make that your own kind of path. It takes a lot of work, but there's a lot of resources out there that can help you too.
0: There really is. And I've learned this uh, really early on life is too short to do something that, uh, you know, you're not truly passionate about. Uh, uh, And I'm not, I'm not delusional in in saying that, like, you're going to enjoy every single second of work. I, the way that I see it is that there's a certain, I call this the administrative tax, okay? And the administrative tax, I call it, I call it this because there's, there's a tax of 30% of a, like, even with my, even with my job during the daytime, which I highly enjoy, uh, even with Heaven's Pantry, which I highly enjoy as well, around 20, 30% of my time in those endeavors is spent on administrative tasks that are a little bit mundane, repetitive, and that, that I'd rather not do. But I view, instead of viewing this as, oh no, like I'm, I'm really pissed off that I have to do these things, I view it as, hey, this is the price of admission into spending 70% of my time on things that I truly love to do and I, and I think that you know if that that specific that specific number is different for everyone hey maybe maybe you're in a field where 70% of uh, the work is is a you know very r- repetitive very mundane and that you don't like doing um, but 30 percent of the time you are really in awe with what you're able to achieve in that case, if you're still satisfied with that specific number, that's okay as well. But I think that when the number of, uh, when the percentage of time that you spend on things that you really enjoy falls too low, life is too short to keep doing that and it's time to find something else.
1: Yeah, I like how you put that in a a percentage way because it kind of gives a good gauge. I do that with stress management sometimes. We do a a stress cup where it's like, you can hold as much stress as you can embody in this cup. Anything over that is extrini- extraneous stress. And we have to work on peering it down to, to a place that's manageable. But you're right. I mean, I mean, I think there's so much to that. And the, the concept that I learned a long time ago from one of my friends in the calisthenics world, and I like to do a lot of body weight stuff and challenges. And he kind of broke it down in an article one time that was like, it's not that you have to do these things, it's that you get to do these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, reframing it's, well, I get to do this administrative work so I can do this, right? Or I get to go for a five mile run so that I can work on my health or live a good life or, you know, whatever it is that you may not be the most fond of, but it opens that door for you. I think that's a good reframe too. It's like, I get to do this, or this is my, my passage. This is, where i want to be like you're talking awesome all right so i got i always finish the podcast with two questions and you're a geek like me so that's gonna fit right up your alley so i'm gonna tell you both of them the first is if you could have any superpower what would it be and why and then the second is what do you believe your true life superpower is
0: what do i believe my true life superpower in, in real life okay so uh time to go for time to go on a little, on a little bit of a controversial belief. Uh, And uh, it's, it's really interesting because I was actually having the same conversation with my father, uh, like a few days ago
1: about how, like, uh,
0: like, uh, have you ever considered the the possibility that the world could simply be assimilation?
1: I've, I've heard this theory a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So ever since I was a child there was something about this world that felt a little bit off and maybe that's just because i you know have a very interesting way of perceiving this world maybe that's because i'm not a neurotypical person mm-hmm. but ever since i was a child i always felt like there was something that was a little bit off about this world and as i as i got older i think you know like when i was like around like uh 10 or 13 i started reading books about like uh, the nature of reality uh i started getting to i started getting to philosophy and uh i I really, it's a very cliche uh, phrase in the philosophy world, but I think therefore I am uh, is such a groundbreaking uh, discovery because, you know, the only thing that we are sure about in this world is that we exist, is that we exist. Uh, But if you are to ask my beliefs about the nature of reality, I think that we do live in assimilation. Uh, and uh, if you look, if you look at, if you look at the way that uh, the physics of our world is structured, okay, um, um, our our universe is broken down into discrete uh, units. Well, as per the current understanding, which uh, is always evolving, which is always evolving, but, <laughs> which is always evolving, but uh, you know, our universe is is broken down into discrete units, very similar to bits on a computer, and. Uh, These discrete units interact with each other, Um, these discrete units interact with each other and transmit information to each other, but they cannot transmit information faster than the speed of light. And I think that the speed of light is kind of like a universal processing limit in 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 our system. So if I can have any real life superpower, it would be to manipulate the code of the simulation. So that I can make this world a more hospitable, a more friendlier, a more uh, empathetic place. That's what I would do if I had that superpower. I would like to be able to manipulate the code of reality, so I can change a few things that I'm, you know, I think are kind of wrong with our world. So that's gotcha. that's the first thing that I would do.
1: Okay.
0: My second, the second question: uh, What is my real life superpower? Uh, I think I. I grew up in a family of intellectuals. Uh, I think I was probably the you know, the least. I, I think I, I was. I think I was probably the least intelligent person in my family. But uh, I, even though I was never able to achieve like a like expert status in like one in one particular field, uh, other than my other than my uh, day job, and and that I'm always still constantly learning. And I really I really think that even though society calls ourselves. Um, in the professional world, uh, people need you to act and express yourself in a certain way to fit into the matrix uh, of of a corporate organization. But I like to I like to believe that no one ever uh, truly uh, becomes a expert at a particular field uh, until many many decades of learning, until many many decades, and even then the field might have changed so radically that you are no longer an expert. But I think one thing where I'm really strong at uh, is that I have a wide breadth of knowledge, even though my depth might not be as comparable uh, to a specialist. I, uh, in the world of consulting, we have generalists and we have specialists. Uh, I'm definitely a generous generalist with a, a wide spectrum of knowledge. like. We can mm-hmm. literally do a episode on a whole different topic and we can, and I can probably talk about it with you for hours. Yeah. So that's one of my superpowers. And I think, I think my ultimate superpower though, is just that I'm constantly learning and it's not anything that's innate. It's that I constantly want to un- understand and uh, learn more about the world around me. That's how I'm wired. When I was younger, uh, I actually almost got sent home from class because I was disrupting the class the teacher by asking her way too many questions and uh, little did i know that you know uh decades later that would end up becoming the basis of my career
1: right that's awesome i uh almost got kicked out of ccd class when i was in high school because they wanted to i grew up in a christian family i'm not religious uh currently but um i had to go to ccd class and i I like to study a lot of different religions. So I ask a lot of questions of how it relates to Buddhism or Confucianism or Taoism. And, you know, looking back at it, it's kind of a dick move because a lot of like CCD teachers are just parents who volunteer to (laughs) kind of go through a a, curriculum.
0: A lot lot of them are just like, you know, like, like people who are trying their best to impart their uh
1: yeah just trying of to help out out other people for me it was like well i have questions about this and i want to go over it and so a lot of kids <laughs> in the class who who were anti ccd were like yeah man i was like no no it's not to be disruptive it's i'm no, it's really trying want to, to understand i if i'm going to commit to a religion i need to understand differences and these nuances.
0: I assume that you ended up not understanding and not so uh, you ended up leaving the religion altogether.
1: Yeah well it didn't really fit with my (laughs) aspect and perspective of life. It was very uh, any any family listening would probably be mad at this but like it just really didn't fit with how I, I felt compassion and empathy for all all people all walks of life and really pushing for equity and you know when a gay friend of mine couldn't go into the church without feeling accused. I was like, eh, it's not really for me. You know, I, 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 can't ascribe to that. So I'm not really a religious person. I consider myself spiritual and I like to, you know, meditate and I like to pursue different uh, lines of thinking and really into Taoism and Buddhism and philosophy. And so that same as you, I'd like to learn. I feel like that's the meaning of life is to have new ideas and learn continuously and adapt and you know do your best to kind of consume that so
0: you know i like to think that sometimes we're just one uh, giant neural network and each node in that network is trying to you know uh, observe a little bit more about the universe and there's this saying out there that you know you're an extension of the universe uh trying to understand itself a little bit better uh, i I I, def- I I definitely think that there is a lot of truth that's truth statement because as i'm trying to uh learn more about uh how i can improve organizations with uh, process engineering and process automation mm-hmm. uh and trying to learn more about how to better deliver nutrition to my customers you're learning a little bit more about how to you know uh, help people with their mental health issues and learn more about how the human mind operates and when you have a giant network of people, uh, you know, all focused on their own little, on their own, uh, you know, uh, little endeavors that matter a lot to them, uh, that's how you have, that's how you end up with a you know, beautiful society and uh, you leverage everyone's differences uh, for the better.
1: It's like, we're all cogs in the Voltron of life. You know? Yeah. Like we all combine and kind of make this, this one kind of neural network. I like that. It's really cool. Um, so any last words of wisdom you'd like to impart to our listeners, something like a summation of what we've talked about today, or if the listeners could take one thing away with them today, what would you like that to be?
0: Absolutely. So first of all, uh, I invite you out to try my energy bar. Uh, it's my website is Heaven's Pantry, LLC. Uh, you, you can also look up chocolate Excalibur. Uh, that's E X C A L I B A R uh, on yeah, we Amazon. never got into
1: that but awesome name right <laughs> huge Thank you. mythology geek and everything like that absolutely so I really like
0: that. definitely inspired by uh by mythology and upon checkout uh you can use the discount code H P Street twenty for twenty percent off your first order but that's not but but that's not the main takeaway that I wanted to give today. The main takeaway that I wanna I wanted to give to the audience today, okay, is uh, never stop questioning uh, the way that things work in the world. Uh, you will have you will have tons of people in your life saying, "Stop questioning how things are done. Stop asking these questions. It is what it is. Accept things for the way that they are, uh, and quit being a disruption." But uh, I I would like I would like to tell you that I fully support disruption as long as it's done in a constructive way i think that the second you stop challenging your you know uh your your beliefs the second that you cha you stop challenging uh, the beliefs of the world that is when all progress ends so never stop learning and never stop asking yourself can this be done in a better way
1: awesome very, very succinct way to put it well Manny super excited to have you on thank you so much I'm honored to talk with you today and I, I look forward to, to talk to you the listeners to to give this a listen I think there's a lot of good gems of knowledge here and so thank you for that thank you thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project. Dot org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at theprometheanproject.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends, like our posts on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.